Blog Talk Radio. Are you a parent looking for a, with a child newly diagnosed with autism? Are you looking for answers to how you can help your child? The online training course, Discovering Behavioral Intervention, is the answer. They are real parents that take you through applied behavioral analysis in 10 step-by-step modules. Learn more at youdiscovering.org and follow them on Twitter at youdiscovering. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. This is Marianne Russo. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to have um, Robert Tedesco on, and we're going to be discussing high risk to high potential transition issues for high school and college students with ADHD. And um, I think it's very timely with summer coming, and um, kids are going off to school. Everything seems wonderful, but you really need to plan ahead. Um, but before we do, I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Mayor Johnson. They are the makers of Board Maker. They are your special education super source. And um, they've recently released an e-catalog featuring hundreds of great products, including several uh, significantly reduced in price. So visit www.mayorjohnson.com to learn more, and um, their website is fantastic, too, so go on over there. Um, as I said, my guest tonight is Robert Tedesco, and he is a practicing attorney, a freelance writer, an adult with ADHD, and he is currently the executive director of the EDGE Foundation, and is a past member of the National Board of Directors for the Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Disorder. Everyone knows that as CHAD. And he is currently a member and past chair of CHAD's Public Policy Committee. Um, he really is, I couldn't find anyone better um, to discuss this topic. I mean, he has written extensively on the subject, um, you know, with practical coping mechanisms and systems for adults and uh, children and teens with ADHD. So I'm very happy to welcome Robert Tedesco. How are you? Hi, Marianne. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm thrilled because, you know, I sent my daughter off to college um, last year, and um, she's exceeded our expectations in most areas, but there's one or two areas that she's really struggling that we hadn't anticipated. So, you know, um, why don't you tell us, first of all, uh, what is the difficulty in transition? Um, You know, it's almost the nature of the beast with ADHD. Well, that's the truth. Um, ADHD, uh, anybody with ADHD has uh, terrible difficulty with transitions. And one of the most significant transitions in the move from adolescence into adulthood is the transition from high school to college. There are a lot of reasons for it. Um, even though many students will struggle when they are in high school, the inherent structure that's placed around them by the school is very important to them. Uh, they're told where they have to be, when they have to be there. They get quizzes every couple of days. They get a constant flow of feedback if, there's, uh, if they're doing poorly in the subject, the parents can intervene. Uh, there are a lot of uh, structures and supports for them, not only in school but at home. They have their parents, uh, you know, working on the medication plan with them, pro- uh, providing regular support. Once they go off to college, it's a whole different ball game. They go from a highly structured environment to a completely unstructured environment. And uh, essentially, uh, college uh, class attendance is optional. They don't get any quizzes or tests or homework assignments, and many times the only feedback they'll get is a midterm or a final, and if they're doing poorly, um, they find out too late, unfortunately. 
And they're also away from the daily support that their parents were providing and the advocacy that their parents were providing on a regular basis. And for students with an executive functioning uh, challenge uh, or ADHD, it really can be a recipe for disaster. When they go off into this non-structured world, a lot of them just, it's kind of like we cut them loose in space. And it's very important for parents and students to understand this uh, and to proactively take some steps to address this situation so it doesn't get out of hand. Absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of things we're going to discuss in this, such as the choice of school, which is really key, um, as well as the environment. But let's break this down a little bit um, more specifically, and we'll start socially. Um, You spoke about the lack of structure and the lack of feedback. Um, So, you know, as far as the lack of structure, um, you know, what are you referring to? Are you referring to um, the support that they get or the structure of, you know, a high school environment? I'm talking about both, really. Number one, uh, in college, they're sleeping in a dorm, and they could go to class if they choose. They don't have to go to class if they choose. There's no real inherent structure. It's really all up to them. And for kids uh, with ADHD, many times it's next to impossible for them to kind of move forward and take that initiative because of what's going on in their brain. And in addition to that structure at school, they no longer have the structure of their parents' waking them up on time to make sure they get to school, asking them if they did their homework, how did you do on that test, all of those little things that many parents and students might take for granted that are all of a sudden gone when they move away to college uh, really pose a huge problem. And for people with ADHD, structure, support, and accountability are crucial things. It's very, very, very important. And in the absence of that, when they go from a high school setting into a post-secondary or college setting, it's really important to develop systems to help them develop structure, support, accountability around themselves. Right. And, you know, um, I I think that's also where the choice of school comes in. Um, You know, my daughter's college, if they miss three classes, they fail the semester, period. Um, so, you know, and it's, uh, it's you know, the, the class sizes are small, so the professors know the kids, um, you know, which is a good choice. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that we completely overlooked was, you know, she could do fabulously, which she is academically, socially. Um, she gets herself up. But life skills are an issue. That's an important point because when parents send their kids off to school, they often just kind of, as a matter of course, will say, I hope they do well in school. And for them, that usually uh, translates into good grades. Unfortunately, there's a lot more going on at this period of development than just academic skills. They have to, they're living on their own for the first time as adults. They have to make sure they're getting enough sleep. Uh, they have to make sure they're eating correctly. Uh, they have to make sure they're taking care of themselves, washing their clothes, etc. All of these life skills, many of them are handling their finances for the first time with a debit card or a checking account. And these are things that they're not used to having. And when you think about support for someone with ADHD, traditionally you think of support in school to help them with their grades. But college is a way of life. They're living there and they're living there as adults. And that's just as important. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's key. And it's, you know, it, it's it's a tool that, um, 
you know, I mean, all, not all kids acquire skills, you know, equally. And, you know, it's a tool that really, you know, I, I didn't think about. Like, you know, okay, you have to do your laundry. Okay, you have to change your linens. Um, these are these things that, you know, when you have a child that's very bright going off to college, you really don't think are going to be a factor. Um, but, you know, it can really, when you said with executive functioning, they have to find time to fit this into their day. And another thing that's really crucial is, um, you know, as far as self-advocacy, you know, they need to be able to explain to people that they're now living with their new um, reality, um, you know, what their deficits may be. But really important is they have to be able to manage their own medications. That's correct. That's a really important point because a lot of times what will happen as a social issue is that when these kids go off to college and they leave their parents behind, many of them at least the, the students that I've worked with in my legal practice as a special ed attorney, will often kind of think that ADHD or whatever disability it might be, Asperger's, whatever it is, is something that my parents kind of told me I had and kind of placed on my shoulders and made me feel like I was somehow broken. But when I go off into this new world, I just want to be like everybody else. I want to leave my ADHD home. Uh, back behind me, and uh, you know, a lot of these students don't take their medication pursuant to the medication plan uh, mm-hmm. because their parents aren't giving it out on a regular schedule. Or many of these kids think, well, you know, my mom was medicating me every day, but maybe I could just take it when I think I need it, and that causes a number of problems. Number one is you see a huge fluctuation. There's a lot of erratic behavior because the medication plan is not being followed, and there are also other potential consequences in terms of the potential to divert that medication or share it with their friends or have it lying around where it can be stolen, and that poses a whole host of legal issues uh, and administrative issues at the college level. Right, and we're going to go into legal issues later, but another thing that, you know, parents really have to take seriously is drinking. You cannot be naive. The kids are in college. Yes, the, you know, drinking age is now 21, but these kids are drinking. Um, And, you know, alcohol and medications can be a very bad mix. So, you know, how can parents monitor this? I know, you know, we do a lot of Skyping and a lot of, you know, texting during the day. But, um, you know, really, what does a parent do if they see that their child really is getting into some bad habits? I think the most important thing that any parent can do is to really be proactive about these situations and open up a very strong line of communication with their son or daughter before they go off to college. Have them understand the importance of their medication, potential side effects to their medication, the dangers of sharing it with other people who may have an allergic reaction or who are not taking it pursuant to a doctor's prescription, or even taking it while drinking or doing something else. And and really you have to be in a a position where this all comes out on the table so you can proactively address different circumstances. And I would say to parents out there, there are many students who say, I honestly know my body and I don't think I need the medication as often as my parents were giving it to me. And I say that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. a level of maturity. But if you feel that way, you, your parents, and your doctor should develop a new medication plan based upon your observations. And that's important that everybody's on the same page. Another thing that's really important to that question that you just raised was a lot of these kids go away to school and the diagnosing or the prescribing doctor is at home. Their parents should look into some support services that are available 
at or around the school where the student is going. If they run out of medication, if there's an adverse reaction, there should be somewhere locally where you coordinate with your own treating doctor at home where you can turn to with questions, with issues, and that type of thing. That's very important. Right. You know, when we brought my daughter to school, we went to the local pharmacy there. Um, you know, we spoke with the pharmacist. We went through the prescriptions. You know, we found contacts. It is so important. Um, you know, like one of the other things that I wanted to discuss is that, um, you know, we are coming upon summer now. And, um, you know, oftentimes uh, parents and teens um, wait for the summer um, to make any med changes, to maybe take a holiday. And, um, you know, it, it, timing is really important because this is a good time. I mean, it, obviously, if your child is somewhat stable, um, but, you know, your child wants to try to come off the medications, the summer is a good time to do it. Um, but you also need to do it pretty soon because if you have problems or adjustments, then the kids are only home for three months. That's true, and more and more colleges are starting earlier and earlier mm -hmm. in August. So it's very important that if you are developing a new plan, you get it in place, you're comfortable with it before they go away uh, because it's really important to work on these things while they're around, while there are certain controls in place. Mom and dad are there, the doctor is nearby, and if there's going to be a question of dosage, frequency, or even timing of the right. dosage, it's really important that everybody's on the same page and comfortable with it when school starts up. And and also that there's somebody there observing the changes because, you know, the kids oftentimes, um, you know, aren't aware of, um, you know, changes that they're presenting when they have these medication changes. Uh, a big question that comes up for parents when they're um, looking at schools um, is, you know, the, the important thing is the right fit for your kid. You know, is are they going to fit? And a lot of parents are very nervous about, um, you know, red flagging their kid um, as far as the college's um, services. I mean, almost all colleges have um, a department for children with special needs or special services. So, you know, how can you relieve that fear in parents that it's not like they're, you know, tagging their child as a problem child? And, um, you know, how do they get accommodations? Because parents may not know that accommodations can be carried over into college. They can. They absolutely can. And it's important that you know how they can so parents can do that. But uh, I think that I could understand a parent's concern in the application process. But once your child is accepted, and I'm exactly. actually going through this with my son right now, and mm -hmm. you're going to look at the schools to make your final decision, uh, as much as you're looking at schools in the right fit for your son or daughter's personality, I think it's very, very important that you go to the disability services office, DSS office at the school. You want to get a feel for how open-minded they are. You want to know what services are available. You want to know what procedures they have in place if you have a 504 plan. Um, the 504 plan does not automatically carry over into college, but you, it, it serves as a great baseline of what worked when they were in high school and how they would translate that into accommodations for your son or daughter. Or if they have an IEP, what the transition plan was. Work with the disability office. It's very, very, very important. You want to know what their policies are, how open-minded they are, uh, and if you're not going to be, as the parent, the one doing the advocating, is your child equipped to do this on their own, uh, or do they need a third party, like a coach or someone, to kind of help them along? Right. And, um, you know, as you said, you know, going to the schools, I mean, it's, 
you, you really, the, the key is finding the right fit. But, you know, as in my daughter's case, the only accommodations that she needed was because, you know, she had pandas. So, you know, if she gets exposed to strep or certain viruses, I mean, she gets, you know, she really gets set back. Um, so, you know, an accommodation that she has is that um, she has a private room. Um, with a private bathroom. So, you know, there are a lot of things out there that can really make college work and be successful for these kids. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about some of the legalities. Um, you know, you, we, you had discussed with me that the burden shifts to the students to self-report and to request the accommodations. That's correct. So how does that work? Well, parents need to know that the law, when your children are uh, at the K-12 level, okay, the law, whether it's the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, or Section 504, those laws have a component built into them which is known as child fine. And essentially what that means is that it's the responsibility of the local school district to, um, to seek out students that live within their district identify whatever special needs they have and address those needs. Um, you know, the, the parent, uh, you know, starts the process by asking for an evaluation, but it's really up to the school and the legal burden is the schools to uh, evaluate properly and provide services. When they graduate from, from high school and go into post-secondary education, the law changes completely. First of all, IDEA disappears. So if your child had an IEP, they cannot take that with them to college. If they had a 504 plan, uh, which is more about um, accommodations than services, uh, 504 of the Rehabilitation Act uh, does apply at the post-secondary level, but it applies a little differently. Uh, and the main thing to understand is now as a post-secondary student, they are considered an adult, and it's their obligation to self-report their disability, to provide documentation, and to ask for specific reasonable accommodations. If they don't ask for services and they have a problem, they'll have little or no legal recourse because the law requires them to self-report and self-advocate. So it's really important that from a very young age, parents' uh, advocacy should really begin in the home. A lot of parents like to keep a disability as a secret and advocate for their children. Um, but two things happen. One is that secrecy breeds shame, uh, and that's not necessary. And so the parents that are trying to protect their sons and daughters from social stigmas unintentionally, in some cases, actually perpetuate them by keeping that secret. But the, the real practical problem is that when they graduate from high school and go off into college, they are completely ill-equipped to understand their disability, to feel comfortable talking about it, and uh, certainly to ask for accommodations and services. And another thing that's really important to understand is that the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, otherwise known as FERPA, protects parents from K to 12 that they have the sole exclusive access to their child's uh, education file. When your child graduates from high school to college, your child is considered the adult. They now, your children, have the exclusive right and you don't. The school cannot share information with you unless your child signs a waiver. So right. they're out there on their own. And unless you contemplate this and prepare for it in a proactive way, it's going to be a huge shock and you're not going to be able to help your child. Right. And, you know, I, I've written about that, um, you know, the the 
double-edged sword of the age of majority. Um, you know, because even though the children may not be emancipated, um, you know, for the age of majority, you know, you still have the responsibility. Um, you know, and like I always recommend that parents, I, I mean, I've done this with all my children, not just, um, you know, my child that had difficulties, um, to, you know, to get a health care proxy. Um, so that, God forbid, you know, your child, you know, really starts to sink or has to be hospitalized, that, um, you know, that that you can be involved, that, you know, that the hospitals, the doctors, everybody know that, you know, you can be involved in the decision-making. Uh, because, like you said, you know, they, they go off to college. They are considered adults. Yes, that's true. What is the legal responsibility um, for a parent? Um, now, their child is in college. They, you know, may not be of legal age, um, how long is a parent responsible for the actions of a of a child? Well, they're responsible uh, in a legal sense, generally speaking, until the child is 18 for acts that they commit. If your child is away from home and living off at school, it may be difficult uh, for that to uh, kind of come back to you in, in a practical sense. Um, but, you know, it's a very difficult time, the end of 17 and beginning of 18, because it's this kind of limbo that these kids are in and the parents may have legal responsibilities, yet at the college level they are legally not permitted to intervene in some ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, the most important thing parents can do is to have this conversation proactively with their child. And you mentioned before about speaking to the Disability Services Office. Find out if they have a specific form of waiver that your child needs to sign so that you can have access or that they understand that you have a health care proxy and that you are involved. And so that even if your child says, no, I want to be independent, at least you've addressed it. The scariest thing is for a parent to get a phone call and try to intervene and find out for the first time that they have no legal right to get involved in what's going on because of their child's age. Parents need to know this ahead of time, address it with their children, prepare any paperwork proactively. And again, I like to say this, it's, it's not a guarantee that there won't be problems, but it can make the difference between walking through a minefield with a map in your hand versus being chased through one blindfolded. At least you know what you're up against. Uh, and at least Absolutely. You know, that is, uh, you know, puts you ahead of the game. You know, I, I had um, this mother come to me, and, um, you know, her daughter was at college. She was the second year. First year went great. Second year, she became very suicidal. And the girl wound up in, you know, being taken to a hospital, and the daughter just didn't want the mother involved, and the mother was devastated. She had no rights. Um, you know, so it's really, like you said, important that you get the legalities under control. But, you know, we've talked about a lot of gloom and doom. But in the end, these are very bright kids. And, you know, ADHD can be very empowering. Um, you know, it's not just a negative. So, you know, why don't you just let the parents know? I mean, you're, you're an example, um, you know, of how well and how successful these kids can become. What you really want to do is make sure that your children are in a position where they can understand that they have inherent value and talents that most people don't have, but they also have to respect the fact that they are um, there, there are things that they are challenged by, and I think the, the key really is to have them gravitate towards their strengths while learning to navigate around their weaknesses. And, and one of the best ways to do that is to involve an ADHD coach, someone who is used to working with adolescents, 
in a student-driven, talent-based approach that can in many ways be very non-judgmental and take the pressure off of the parental relationship. And one of the things that we like to say about our network of coaches at the Edge Foundation is parents often wonder about or worry about their ADHD or the special needs child going away to college and they can't go with them. Uh, our motto kind of is you can't go off to college with them, but we can. And a coach can really help them develop structure, support, accountability around themselves by learning to understand where their talents are, how to access them, respect their challenges, and learn how to navigate around them as well. It's a very empowering uh, experience to children. Uh, there's another thing that they can do is, uh, in addition to their medication plan or working with a coach, exercise is incredibly important, and there have been a number of studies now. Uh, there's a wonderful book by John Rady called Spark about the, uh, the, the interesting research that's being done showing the link between exercise and brain function, not only for ADHD, but for clinical depression, anxiety, a number of conditions. Mm -hmm. And getting these kids into a routine also helps them build structure around themselves, which is very important. Right. You know, I like Russell uh, Barkley. has been on the show several times, and I like what, what he says. You need to own it. You need to own your ADHD. You can't make believe it's not there. You can't use it as an excuse. You know, you need to own it. And what that said, you know, once you own it, and then you, you find tools to overcome it. You know, it's that simple. You can't just wish it away. Um, yeah, you know, it's a great thing. So tell us a little bit about the EDGE Foundation and, um, you know, where parents can get in touch with you and the EDGE Foundation and how, you know, you can help with this big transition. Sure. It was founded by a man named... Uh, Neil Peterson, who was a successful entrepreneur who um, basically got an ADHD coach for his children uh, who were in college at the time and who were struggling, and it made all of the difference in helping them not just survive in post-secondary education, but to really thrive there. And, uh, you know, at that point in his life, he thought that he was fortunate because he had the means to do this. This should be available to all students out there. And he started this nonprofit foundation to provide uh, coaches that specialize in working with issues that impact ADHD adolescents. We have a network of 105 coaches throughout the country. We actually match students with coaches. The coaches are all independent contractors that have met our criteria for their experience, their training. They're required to have insurance, et cetera. Uh, so they meet our uh, criteria and they can become part of our panel. We also now have a scholarship program through the, the uh, Generosity of Shire um, where uh, 60 students next year will be selected for a scholarship where they will get $2,000 towards their college tuition and wow. uh, a full year of coaching that is provided by uh, the Edge Foundation and paid for by Shire. It's a wonderful program, and they really give these kids the support they need in addition to the access that a normal uh, scholarship would provide. That's amazing. And, you know, it's so important um, to start the coaching before there's a problem um, because, you know, if your kid is away at college, you need to see for someone to know, um, you know, how they are when they're at a baseline. Um, that's, that's you know, and true. not when they, um, you know, are either exacerbated by illness or problems with medication or just the stress of their new environment and their new academic challenges. So, you know, I would imagine that it's important, you know, for parents to come to you before there's a problem. 
yeah, we believe at EDGE it's very important that no student should have to fail in order to get help. And if you involve a coach at the high school level, and we're working in several schools in Washington State now where we bring our coaches into public schools with middle school students to help them work with someone to avoid the speed bump that this transition can uh, really provide. Right. And parents also have to understand that they really need to be hand holders the first couple of weeks because it's rough. You know, and, um, you know, not to get discouraged because, you know, the more that they feel that you're there supporting them or their coaches are there supporting them, um, you know, the, the better they're going to do. I agree. If well, anyone Robert, has I questions think... about EDGE, I just wanted to give the website. is www.edgefoundation.org. You can always reach out for me. It's R2Disco, T-U-D-I-S-C-O, at edgefoundation.org. Well, Edge Foundation is just extraordinary, which is, you know, where I first found you, uh, you know, going through the Edge Foundation. So I'm thrilled that you joined us. I know you're going to help a lot of parents. And, um, you know, this is airing just before um, summer, so it's going to give everybody a couple of months to really uh, get the situation in shape. So I thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. As I end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent here at The Coffee Clutch. You can find us at www.thecoffeeclutch.com. All of our shows are offered um, and at any time in archive, and we offer them free um, to download on iTunes. So you can take us to the gym, take us on a walk, and have a great night, everybody. <laughs>